Welcome to this video Bible class brought to you by the Laurel Heights Church of Christ, McAllen, Texas. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Remember that this content is from God through Paul to Timothy. In our study of this, we want to understand what Paul was saying to Timothy, and then from that, principles emerge for our application as Christians today. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust a faithful man who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. I used the expression a few days ago in a previous class, passing the torch. And I use that expression to identify the obligation God places on one generation to train and challenge and exert good influence on the next generation. It has always been so that God expects us to teach the next generation. And that means parents first, teaching your children like Eunice and Lois taught Timothy. It also means elders, Bible class teachers, and evangelists doing everything within their power to get the next generation ready to continue to advance the cause of Christ. It means every Christian ought to do whatever can be done within your opportunities to encourage and prepare those who will follow. It is a powerful obligation. I can testify, too, that weighs on the minds of grandparents and great-grandparents. And I say all of that to introduce our study of this text. This is a pass the torch passage. God through Paul to Timothy. Though Paul is soon to depart, Timothy is to take up the torch, the gospel, the Lord's work, and he is to be as disciplined as a soldier, as energetic as an athlete, and as hardworking as a farmer. That's the main idea in 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 7. The direct application goes to Timothy. It speaks of the work every evangelist must undertake in every age and every place, and every Christian must be involved in support of this work of passing the torch to the next generation. 
you see where this is headed. It begins with this imperative, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You know, if you just tell somebody to be strong and that's all you say, it may be received as pretty empty. You need to know how you can be strong. Better for someone to say, be strong, and here's how you can be strong. So Paul didn't just command Timothy to be strong and leave it there with a period. He gave this imperative to be strong, then immediately spoke to him of the source of strength. By the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The New English Bible may help. It says, take strength from the grace of God, which is ours in Christ Jesus. Think of the sinner as weak. The sinner is weak, but in responding to the gospel and receiving the gift of salvation, one begins to become strong. Then, as the baptized believer continues to walk in newness of life and hold to the pattern of sound words, God is at work strengthening the believer. So Timothy is to find his strength right where he found his salvation, as a believing, active receiver from divine grace, a participant in what God offers. In that reception and participation, God is at work strengthening the one who receives salvation and participates in discipleship. Timothy had no other source from which to become strong but the grace of God, and his part in that was to continue to be a receiver from God through the activity of his faith. Look at it this way, not only for salvation, but for strength in service. The believer must actively trust in God. This produces spiritual strength for whatever battles and struggles may lie ahead. Now, in verse 2, what Timothy must do with that strength is to pass on the torch. This is the passing of the torch part of this passage. And it says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust a faithful man who will be able to teach others also. Let's make first application to Timothy. Not only must Timothy preach the word, he must find men who will also preach the word. It is not this attitude. Well, as long as I'm here, I'll preach the word. I don't care what happens after I'm gone. No, that's an ungodly attitude. Paul's example defies that. Paul's instructions to Timothy contradict that attitude. Paul, Timothy, the men Timothy trained, and every one of us ought to care about what happens after we have left. We want God to be praised and served after we are gone. We want our children 
our grandchildren, great-grandchildren, other family members, surviving friends, to serve God according to his word after we are gone. Paul said to Timothy, here is a critical concern you need to act on while you're alive. Find men to carry on. Pass the torch. Now, it is not like this. Timothy goes out to a crowd of younger men. He doesn't know anything about them. And he says, okay, I want you and you and you over here. This could not be a random selection or something like a draft. Notice carefully two qualifications in verse 2. Faithful and able to teach. Faithfulness to the Lord is indispensable. You don't want to train men who will turn out like those mentioned earlier in 2 Timothy, Phagellus and Hermogenes. Those who serve the Lord in whatever capacity they serve must have a heart that trusts God, and from that trust they obey God. Even if you have ability, charm, good looks, academic resume, great hair, you have to be faithful to God. And then ability, being competent. Just like the Bible says about elders, same phrase, able to teach others. Let me ask you this, and you can answer briefly to yourself. We need to think about this carefully. My question for you to think about would be this. Is it possible to be faithful to the Lord and have good knowledge of the truth, but lack the ability to teach others? Well, I believe that's possible, and I do not fault those who were lacking in the ability to communicate knowledge from the Bible publicly. I've known men who were faithful to the Lord from the heart, attended every service, good Bible readers, a vast knowledge of the Bible, but you put them in front of a group, put them in front of an audience on a stage, and they are so distressed and distracted, the audience hurts for them, they get through it, and then they go back and throw up. Some have trained themselves out of that fear, but I'm convinced not everybody has the emotional composure and social skill to speak publicly. And I will add, to make those men feel guilty or force those men to get up before an audience is a mistake. You've heard me say many times, there is something for everybody to do in the kingdom but everybody doesn't have to do the same thing. You should never lay a burden of guilt on men because they don't do something in a public venue. Timothy is to look for men with two primary qualifications, faithfulness to God and the ability to teach others. I understand there is not a single objective standard we can apply regarding the word ability. There are certain levels of ability we observe, and every man brings his individual approach to the task. But the men selected by Timothy must have the ability to deliver the message to people, whatever their individual differences might be. D. Bowman, 
in the book Common Sense Preaching said, this is God's criterion for selecting men to preach. It is simple, straightforward, and practical. It perpetuates the preaching of the gospel by calling on qualified, faithful men to pass the torch to others who are also qualified and faithful. Now, next, in verses 3 through 6, I want you to listen for three images given to help Timothy properly perceive his life's work, soldier, athlete, and farmer. Listen again, please. I'm talking about verses 3 through 6. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share in the crops. Similar to the parables of Jesus, these occupations are designed to help Timothy properly perceive his life's work. He must have the endurance of a good soldier. One of the primary objectives in Army basic training is to build endurance. You may become an expert marksman or sharpshooter. You may be able to strike your pup tent and take it down in minutes. You may know military strategy, but never make it as a soldier because you haven't developed endurance. And so you get out of the barracks every morning at five and run first a mile, then three miles, then five miles before breakfast. Then you go on marches and bivouac. And the point of all this pain is to build endurance. The final bivouac for me at Fort Benning was 14 miles, wearing full field gear, building endurance. This has always been part of the discipline of the soldier. So, Timothy, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And the soldier must put soldiering first. He cannot be entangled in civilian pursuits. The athlete. In the time of Paul and Timothy, in the time of Paul and Timothy, it was the trophy that the athlete worked for. And you didn't get a trophy just for showing up. You had to run the race and your participation had to be according to the rules. But we don't get to make up the rules as we go. God has given the rules. Remember from chapter 1, verse 13, hold the pattern of sound words. And then there's the farmer who works hard. Not many occupations require such labor and time. But there is a part of this image we cannot overlook. The hardworking farmer ought to have the first share of the crops. 
I say to young preachers when I talk to them about Bible reading, Bible study, and sermon preparation, two words, feed yourself. Feed yourself. When Paul and I first started our life's work and I was preaching out in rural churches in Arkansas, there would be this huge Sunday spread of food at someone's farmhouse. The woman of the house, the sister who prepared everything, must have worked all day Saturday, late into the night, up early Sunday morning. There'd be four kinds of meat and seven different garden vegetables and many varieties of desserts and breads and gravy with which to baptize your rolls. The sister would spread all this out called everybody in, and after prayer, we would consume all this tremendous food. The sister who prepared it wouldn't be eating. She would hover and reload your plate and make sure you had all that you wanted without having to reach for anything. Sometime later, she would eat some of the leftovers, maybe at the table. As we insisted, she set at her own table and eat her own food. Paul said to Timothy, you eat first. Never deliver a sermon to people you haven't delivered to yourself first. Let's do some wrap-ups. I think what I see here is tied to the statement in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All that Timothy needed to do and the strength required, Christ would provide for him. Timothy just needed to maintain his loving, trusting, obedient relationship with Christ. Whatever we are called to do, charged to do, as servants of God, applying our talents, using our opportunities, in Christ we are strengthened and we find sufficient grace for the task. Leave him, and weakness immediately sets in. We must, every one of us, be alert to distractions. We cannot go A-W-O-L, absent without leave. You are a soldier in time of war, serving under Christ, doing battle against the devil, fighting for your own survival and seeking to keep others from the enemy. We cannot just play around the edges of this. We must be fully committed. Not all secular activity is forbidden, but entanglements are forbidden. Look at that little phrase, according to the rules. There is so much talk negatively against the idea today of authority in religion and rules and patterns and obedience to Scripture. If we love God, we will want to keep His commandments, and we will never consider His commandments a burden. The world will pull at us to take us away from the rules of Christ. We must resist and continue to be engaged according to the rules laid down in Scripture. Verse 6, don't forget to feed yourself. And then I found this quote many years ago. New Testament Christianity 
is only one generation away from extinction. Perhaps that's an overstatement, but it drives home the point to pass the torch on to the next generation. Thank you for being with us.